The Small Town Business Podcast is sponsored by Visit Gippsland, the land of many wonders. Head to visitgippsland.com.au to plan your trip. Whether it's walking and hiking or cycling or driving, camping, fishing, drinking and eating, you'll be exploring some of the most unforgettable destinations around. Head to their website or get inspired by their social media. All the links are in the show notes. If I wasn't forced, in air quotations, to close down my workshop, I wouldn't have stopped doing woodworking off my own accord, but there was something that needed to change. I don't know about you, but I think I've got a little bit of PTSD from the word pivot. During the pandemic, almost everyone I worked with had to pivot their business in some way, including me, and it was stressful. Making a career change or changing the way you do business can be a really exciting time, but when it's not on your terms and not on your timeline, it can be a lot to deal with. Welcome to the Small Town Business Podcast. I'm Erica McInerney. My guest today is Amy Hay, and I'm going to read you a snippet of her bio because it will give you a great introduction to this passionate, creative, and kind human. She's a Gippsland local, animal lover, collector of dogs, occasional foster mum, and role model to three small humans. She's a mental health advocate, sharing her crazy to help the crazy of others. She's a lover of clean spaces, but unable to keep things clean. A colour enthusiast, fashion addict, recovering perfectionist and creator of quality items. Today we chat through some of these, but mostly the creative part of her that runs her small town business, The New Red. We live in Trafalgar. Our kids love to call it Traff because they feel like that's cool and what the locals call it. We actually moved here two and a half years ago. So we've got about seven and a half years until we're actually locals. It was actually just by chance. It was one of those towns that everyone's driven through Traff, but I don't think most people realize how fabulous it is. It just so happened that we were kind of looking to purchase a property anywhere between really Traff and Bunyip. And we fell in love with a house here. It was exactly what we wanted. And I think the community followed and We honestly have been welcomed with open arms. Everyone is just fabulous. And it's not one of those everyone knows each other and in their pockets. It's just a really supportive, lovely vibe. Gorgeous. It is a beautiful little town. Yeah, but don't tell too many people because we like it as a nice small town. (laughs) It's funny that you talk about being welcomed and about how it's a really friendly community because I know that at some point during this discussion, we're probably going to touch on um, <laughs> on, a, on a not so welcoming mm-hmm. neighbor. Mm-hmm. But before we even get started on that, I would love for you to tell your story about your woodworking business. And I hate saying this, but it's very unusual for a young woman to be doing what you've been doing. Yeah, you're not wrong. It is unusual. I really thrived with it being unusual. I was always very proud of what I did and proud of the work that I created as a woodworker. We've tried to count, but at a guess, we can say I've had 16 jobs in 10 years. That's probably a quite a conservative guess because that's just the ones I can remember. I actually ended up counting when I was telling the kids, just because you choose to do something today doesn't mean you're committed to it for life. And I was working in a job that the politics, you get approval to do something from one person and then you get in trouble from another person. And it it was exhausting. My mental health was in the toilet, I think would be putting it nicely. And I was in tears most day hiding in the toilet at work. And it was, it was horrendous. And I literally just went one day, I I can't do this anymore. My grandfather had left $5,000 
to me when he passed away. And I thought I need to do something. I can't continue going job to job for the next 10 years because I, I will not survive it. So I started the New Red for my mental health. It's been such an organic development of the business. So I had really just rediscovered my love of woodwork. Many, many years ago, I actually had a small business doing very basic kind of woodwork things and that burnt me out and I just found the love of it again. You know, I was doing little things around the house and then a few people would want to order them. And then I was given some secondhand furniture by a friend and I was like, okay, you know, maybe I could do refurbishment. And that really led into a focus of quality, sustainability, of realizing how many amazing things there are available that we can make fabulous things from. For anyone who hasn't already checked out Amy's Instagram, she takes solid bits of furniture from op shops or roadsides and just works absolute magic on them, turning them into brand new, beautiful pieces of furniture. Just incredible. It's actually really incredible to go back and watch some of those reels, watch some of those transformations. And I highly encourage people while you're listening or after you've listened to this interview to go go and scroll back and have a look at some of the creations. It's actually just really amazing. And I think people don't see it as upcycling, if you will. It is just using what we have available and when you can make such fabulous things using what we have, it just didn't make sense to me to be going out and spending all this money on materials. The focus of my business was kind of smaller timber decor items. And again, it was just, if I needed something around the house, that's what I would design and make. If someone had mentioned something, that's what I would design and make. I never went out with a focus of, oh, I'm going to build this amazing collection. Then I would do custom ordered furniture. So if you wanted a mudroom for your entryway, it would be made within certain dimensions and colors. It was a whole lot of fun. A friend said she loved to learn woodwork. So I started teaching group woodwork workshops, COVID hit, and then I kind of went back to one-on-one. That messed with my anxiety big time because I just felt like I had to, you know, have my house and everything perfect to have people coming in. So then I moved to a video platform. So it's just a a real natural evolution. And you created a workshop in your garage Mm -hmm. and later I had to move out of your garage. When we relocated to Traff, I understood that it was in a different shire and I thought, that's okay, I'll get on the front foot and I will contact them and I'll make sure that what I'm planning to do here, I'm allowed to do. They said, yep, that's fine. These are the noise restrictions. You can't operate outside these hours. Great. I'm not a morning person, so I would never have been out there before probably 10 a.m. Worked short days and was really conscious of kind of the setting around us. I worked here for 18 months from our garage at home and had created, honestly, a business that I had never thought was possible. I was really happy with how things were progressing. And one day I received an email basically saying that they'd received a complaint from my neighbor about the noise levels. And I was so confused. I was just, hang on. I literally asked you if I could do this. You said I could do this. Anyway, emails went back and forth and oh my gosh, there's a pinned highlight on my Instagram. If anyone is interested in the saga, and it really was a saga, it went on for months. There were lawyers, there were threats of court, there was you name it. And look, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but for what the kind of work that I do for a person my age and my gender to be doing that and to be 
promoting mental health messages. I was working with local primary schools to get their students into different avenues of education. Like I was doing so much within the community and it really just felt like a kick in the guts that the Shire where I live and where I've built my life could not see any way to kind of get behind my business. I would work with my shed door shut. I would be so conscious. I would time how long I was using the tools for. I would measure the decibels of the tools. It was horrendous. I made a decision one day that I would be doing no more work in my workshop at home and I would start looking for a commercial workspace. And it was a really, really hard time because my work is my entire life. I have ADHD and part of ADHD brain is that basically when we enjoy something, we will do it all day, every day. We will have no concept of time. We will have no concept of kind of anything else around us. And I used to think that was a bad thing that my business kind of took up my whole life. I've since kind of realized that I'm quite lucky to have something I love. So I started the search for a commercial workspace and I I didn't need anything huge. And it just so happened in the typical small town way. I was speaking to my kinesiologist who was speaking to one of her students who talked to her friend whose brother had a, you know what it's like. So I literally got a call one day going, Hey, I heard you're looking for a space. We've got this shed coming up that might be suitable. Went down, had a look and it was perfect size. It was within my budget and I just thought, fantastic. It was a six month lease because they were looking at subdividing and selling the property. And I kind of went back and forth on that for a long time because my thought was, I don't want to be doing all this again in six months. But the way my partner said to me was, yeah, but you get six months of work. You get six months of work that you don't have now. And it was fantastic. It was such a great six months. I had a, call her a subcontractor working for me. She was doing the smaller decor things. I was doing the larger furniture items. It was a really, really great time. You're making lots of reels. Oh my gosh. So many. There was dancing, there was singing, there was acting, there was, it was a really, yeah, it was a really great time. When things come up in life, whether they're obstacles or changes like the workshop or anything that that it might be. It's really easy to kind of sit there and go, yeah, but why me? I've worked so hard to build this and now my workshop's being taken away or or things like that. But I like to think that they're an opportunity for something more and that maybe without sounding hippy-dippy new agey, that maybe there are other things planned in life that you just don't know what they are yet. And that served me quite well. Coming to the end, like I knew I only had six months there. I had another building lined up and there was just a few things that happened there that weren't sitting well with me, some conditions in the lease and things like that. And again, I went back and forth on what do I do? Do I just take this property and hope that it is more than I think it's going to be? Or do I not? And then potentially and without a workshop. And we talk about pivoting in business and being able to make these changes. And it's really easy to go, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. You didn't have a workshop and now you have a workshop and you, you managed to just kind of sort it out. But There's so much at that pivot moment. There is so much doubt in yourself. Oh, I'm getting all emotional now. There is so much doubt in your ability to know what's right for you. And I think at the end of the day, you have to trust. It's your life. It's your business. It's your decision. If you're doubting something or if you're not sure about something, there's a reason behind that. And so I did. I turned down the new workshop that I had lined up. And I knew that meant most likely that I would then have to pack up my workshop and, well, at least temporarily stop that side of the business. When you talk about 
pivoting, when you talk about making a fundamental change in your business, it's something that so many people can relate to at the moment. Obviously, the last few years have been a crazy time of upheaval, not just during pandemic, but after, because the way that people worked, their expectations, their belief in themselves, they had all this time. And some people started working from home and they might've been working in organizations such as you described at the start that were really political, that were really toxic, that were really unhappy. And all of a sudden they found themselves at home. And then they thought, well, I can work from home. And if I'm going to work from home, I could do something else. I could do something different. And there's just been this really interesting shift, even just for me and the people that I deal with, or even the people that I follow on Instagram. I've seen so much change, so many people digging deep and doing what you said, really believing in themselves and taking this opportunity to say, you know what? This isn't right. I'm going to do something different. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you was around that story of change because you've just changed dramatically. And not only have you changed, you're still making, you're still creating, but you've changed your brand, you've changed your just everything. And it was, it's just been a really nice experience. It's been really nice to watch you go have a little wobble and then pick yourself up and go, actually, I'm going to do this now. I think you're right in the working from home. I think people saw that there was opportunity for more, that they could be more, they could do more, they could achieve more. And I don't mean achieve as in the typical version of success. I mean, do you get up in the morning and enjoy what you're doing? I've seen it so much and it is fabulous. And yeah, the wobble. I think the wobble part is what we very often skip over. It's very easy to say, like I said, that, oh, you were doing this and now, now you've been able to shift and refocus and now you're doing this. But it's the wobble that we don't talk about. And there was literally three months where I had no idea what I was going to do. I felt helpless and I felt just, did I make the wrong decision? Should I have taken that other workshop? And you question yourself so much, but when things do start to work out and you can see a new direction, it falls into place. And the wobble from an outsider's perspective, you say that people don't often show that and you're right, but that's actually the thing that helps people understand a transition. Because if you just picked up and said, hey, I'm going to do this now, I don't think think you would have brought everyone along with you in the way that you have. And social media has become a really important part of your business, I imagine. Yes. And that openness, that willingness to share, that willingness to share about your ADHD, about your mental health, about the issues that you've been having while all of this has been going on, it's really endearing. And I think will and probably has already served you well because everybody who's come along on that journey with you is now invested in this new direction, in this in this new business. And and if they're not, they're not invested in you, if they don't care, then they, they maybe they've moved on and that's okay too. I could not agree more in that. So my approach to socials has always been that I don't want people to have this version of my life that isn't the truth. I don't want to only share the good parts of my life and my business and my successes and my picture perfect family and my picture perfect home. 
because that's not the truth. I started my business on being truthful about my mental health because for literally 15 years, I couldn't. I could tell you at least three jobs where I know I was either fired or forced to resign because I openly discussed my mental health and I didn't want that in my own business. So that's why I've been quite transparent about it the whole time. Sharing the story and sharing what really happens and what really goes into something, it brings people on the journey with you and they can see the natural progression of where I've started and where I'm ending up. There's an education process too that goes with being a maker or being an artist or a creator. And if you skip the bit, if you skip the part that shows the hard work, then there's no difference. I, I was talking to an artist recently about competing with online stores like Temple and Webster, for example, that sell art at $60, $70. And we were talking about the not skipping the part that shows the hard work, that shows the thought, the investment. And one of the things that social media allows you to do, which you're doing really well, is showing the work, the idea, the the ideation, the painting, the practicing, the waste, the muck-ups. This is how you build the idea of value. This is why when your big beach bags that you're making at the moment watching you make them perfect before you put them out there. And that's why they're going to cost more than going to Kmart. That's what makes them special. A lot of artists, a lot of creators are are naturally quite shy and reserved and don't want to share too much of the creative process because they're worried about other people taking it and copying it. And you know what? People will do that. But if you skip that, then people don't get invested in it. They don't see the hours. They don't see the time, the care. It's also, I think, the sharing the process as in explaining, hey, I wanted a product that does A, B and C. What would you like to see in a product? And someone will comment going, oh, I'd really love somewhere to put a water bottle. And I was like, well, that's dumb. Just put a water bottle in the back. But then someone else said, I'd love a zippered internal pocket to protect my phone. And it's this kind of back and forth between allowing people to be invested in the process, but still making sure it's truly you. And I think that's really easy with social media is to get so sucked into what other people want that you lose focus of what you set out to do. And that's something that I'm quite proud of. Yes, I want it like this. No, I don't want it like that. I understand you might want this in a bag, but that doesn't reflect who I am. And at the end of the day, I have to come back to, does it reflect what I want? And am I happy to put this out there? and really stick to that message. There's actually a term for what you're doing. And it's called building in public. Ooh. There's a lot of examples of how that's done, how that's done well. But it is, it's the concept of building a business along with your audience. Um, it's a really valuable concept and a lot of people do it. So tell us, tell us about the new red. Yes. The new, new red. The new, new red. We've, we've called this chapter of the new red, the pink new red, because I have actually changed all of my branding to pink because I love the color pink. It makes me happy. And I always thought I can't have a business called the new red and have the branding pink because it'll confuse people. And then one day I thought, I don't care. I like pink. So that's what I'm going to do. My workshop closed down. I moved everything into storage in my garage and for a good two months, continued the search and 
kind of just attempted being a housewife, which I am not good at. So got chatting for a friend who's a painter and just thought, hell, I'd like to give painting a go. I'm going to do that. Started doing some painting that led to the purchase of an iPad and an Apple pencil so I could digitize my designs. That led to digital design, which led me to fabric design, which I have a huge love of color and fun. And I do not believe that fun clothes should be saved for special occasions. So I decided that I was going to use my designs on fabric to create my own line of clothing, things that I would want to wear, things that you can wear every day and you don't need you know, somewhere special to go, but are always also nice enough that you can jazz them up with a nice pair of pink heels. That really was the first focus and the first step that I took to the new, new red. It was terrifying because I actually had to, for the first time in many years, invest money into a product. So for the last three years, if I wanted to make a something from timber, I had timber that I'd sourced from somewhere and it was readily available and I could play around with it, make some samples and then probably knock out 50 in a matter of a week. But all of a sudden I had to spend money on material and I had a friend lend me a sewing machine and I had to teach myself how to sew. I had another friend lend me an overlocker and I, oh, those things have got threads going everywhere. And it led to just a whole magical series of events that somehow ended up with this fabulous business of two elements. So the manufacturing of the clothing, which will be done within Australia by a Melbourne manufacturer with my fabric on patterns and clothing designs that they have made for me. The other element, which will be done in my garage, hopefully by a not too noisy sewing machine, that is basically the development of, I'm calling them accessories, but it is things made from fabric or painted canvas that are things that I want in my life. So the clover bag, which is the one that we've mentioned, is literally because we have three young kids and every time we go to the beach or really anywhere, there is so much stuff. And we end up carrying six different bags with things in them. And then there's the plastic bags with the wet clothes in and it does my head in. So one day I just went, there's a better way to do this. I jumped online and I did my research about bag sizes and they call these like extra jumbo large tote bags and they still wouldn't fit five beach towels in them. So I, again, started Googling how do I design a bag? Actually, how do I make a bag? Because I hadn't even made a bag by that point, which led to me learning how to use design software and I designed my own pattern and I wrote my own instructions. I learned by doing So I bought sewing patterns and I would sew some clothes or I would read an article on how to make a bag and then I would pick little bits up throughout the way and kind of just have made some kind of magical way of my own products. Again, there was no plan. I just knew that I needed a change from woodwork. I wanted something that I didn't have to come home and take off my bra and empty out the sawdust before I go inside at the end of the day. Um, That's the dream. That's the dream. (laughs) That's basically everyone's life goals. (laughs) I wanted something that had more color. So if I wasn't forced in air quotations to close down my workshop, it wouldn't have been the push. Like I, I wouldn't have stopped doing woodworking off my own accord because it was a successful business. I enjoyed it enough and I did well out of it, but there was something that needed to change. Particularly for people in creative industries, I find life 
is always throwing things at you. Life is always getting in the way. And if you do attack it with that sense of fun, with that curiosity, with that positivity, but not positivity all the time. No. Sometimes you've got to take those moments to, you know, have a cry or just rant. And I know that you did a a little bit of ranting in your Instagram story. It has been a really really great outlet for all of this. I'm going to ask you to tell people how they can find you. And of course, I will have all of those links because it's really well worth going back and having a look at some of the highlight reels and just watching that journey because it's been beautiful. It's been really lovely to have this conversation with you today. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Amy. But tell us where we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Instagram, like you said, I think it's that, that platform that allows me to like really truly share is at the new dot red. Facebook's just the new red or websites, just a nice collation of all the good information. And that is just the new Small Town Business was recorded on the lands of the Gunai Kurnai, and I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Big thanks to Chris at Jetstreamer for production and editing support. I'd be talking into a tin can without you. Don't forget to subscribe or follow, and if you like what you hear, please write a review to help me reach more people. Thanks for listening. <laughs>